Okay, so I haven't been up here for a while. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast by Dr. Anita Phillips. Her show's called In the Light. And she was reading a passage from Second Kings and it really encouraged me. And I've just been chewing the cud really and feeling like going back to that passage a bunch the last couple of weeks. And so today might be a bit more devotional rather than sermon, but I'm just gonna welcome you into the stuff I've been chewing on around and around and around. Good thing I'm not a cow with four stomachs, masticating and bringing it back up. <laughs> so um, on the screens, or if you've got your phone or the Bible with you, um, we're gonna turn to Second Kings. Today's gonna be a lot of scripture. Isn't it good to just keep in the word, keep in the word? It can be tricky. I'm, what, I'm wondering if more and more in our world, it's harder to concentrate for a long period of time on a piece of writing. I'm just, like I used to be an English teacher, used to read a lot, I, I read less. And I find when I go to read, I can't concentrate so long. And I think more, and more of that, it's because we track with more social media and now it's reels and it's under a particular amount of seconds to keep our, ourselves you know, watching something. And I'm just wondering if we've lost that ability to really get stuck into long chunks of the world, a word. But as you know, as believers, we can lose our belief a little bit if we um, are not eating. If we're not eating this, it's like someone who lives on junk food and it's like, why am I always tired? I don't know why I'm starting with this, but it's just, it's just an encouragement just to remember that as we choose to follow the Lord, which comes with cost and it comes with effort and energy and it's no walk in the park, you've probably realised, not far in, that to continue to gather together and to, as the scripture says, gather together as one, to keep coming together, to keep worshipping together, to keep praying together, to keep reading the Word is a self-responsibility thing and we can get a bit lean, we can get a bit, what's it called when you don't have iron in your blood? Anemic if we're not chewing in this. I love that one of the ways I hear God the most is through the Word because it keeps me dependent. Uh, for some of you, you might find, no, I hear the most somewhere else or maybe it's in nature or maybe it's through worship. I'm grateful that sometimes I'm like, I just need this because this is a primary way for me. But regardless of whether it's a primary way or not, just a, just a reminder, it's just each day choose to eat. We're gonna get very weak. Um, so today I'm just gonna take us through a bunch of scripture. Um, I've got my title of the sermon is I am and I will. So I love that we finished with that song that he is the way maker, he is that promise keeper and all his promises are yes and amen. And he is saying over us today, I am, I am the promise keeper and I will. So in 2 Kings 4 verse eight, we have a story about Elisha, so a well-known prophet, Elisha and the Shunammite woman. We actually never hear what her real name is. The Perthite woman, the, the Australian woman, the Baldivis woman, the Mandra woman is kind of what it is saying. It's just sort of refers to where she's from, but we never hear her actual name. We know she's a great woman. And it says, one day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. So she, this great, beautiful, wealthy woman, knew that a man of God kept coming through their town and she started to go, I'm gonna feed him. She said to her husband, behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continuously passing our way. 
Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. So not only have they been feeding him, together they began to actually create a space where he could come and rest and sleep. One day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite, this Perthite, this Beldivis woman. When he called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, his servant, say now to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? So he's wondering, how can we bless you back? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? Hello, if any real prophet, like a well-known prophet, like the most prophet known in the area at that time, came near you, maybe came to minister here at our church and said, what do you want from me? I think a lot of us would have a question or something like, can you prophesy over me? I would even be like, you can bless me, you can pray for me. So this is what he's saying. He's like, what can we do for you? And she said, I dwell among my own people. That was her answer, which pretty much is meaning I'm good. I'm blessed. I actually have a community that I'm well connected in and I'm thankful that you're asking me. I'm making this room for you for nothing. And I really am, I'm really good. I'm content is her answer. Hmm. He said, what then is to be done for her, Gehazi? And Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. So then he figured out she had a deeper need. That's interesting that she never said, actually, man of God, one of the most men of God we know in this region, I have this beautiful, deep, deep desire that I've never had breakthrough when it comes to having a child. Can you lay your hands on me? Can you lay your hands on my belly? Can you pray for my husband and I? She went, I'm good. And it's the servant who said, I know of this deeper area of breakthrough that she hasn't had yet. So he said, to her, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. Which is like a great southerner in America, do not lie to me. Do not lie to me. Why would she say that when it actually comes to a deeper place of need for breakthrough? Do not lie to me. I can't handle if you get me touching that place of lack of breakthrough and then it's a lie. And I'm wondering if there's others who might feel like this Shunammite woman. Maybe there's some of us here that are the Shunammite woman, where if it comes to our relationship with the Lord and journeying with Him and prayers, we're just so grateful for the world that we're in and we're so grateful for what He's given to us, which is an amazing breakthrough for us to get to gratefulness. It's wonderful. And we've accepted some of the situation we're in, which is also can be an amazing breakthrough. That can be yieldedness. But I'm wondering if some of us are not in touch with something that is, if, I, if that wasn't a guarantee on breakthrough in that, I can't look at that because it's been too painful. And I'm wondering if God's given promises to people in this room here, maybe six months ago, maybe a year ago, maybe five, 10, maybe 40 years ago. But instead of going, I have a promised land and I'm gonna stay touching it, we go, I'm gonna bury this thing and build a little garden over it. 
so that I am content. I'm good, I'm living with my people and I've got this garden here with a buried thing that it's like, I can't go there, do not light me. Thanks, Ali. But the woman did conceive and she bore a son about that time the following spring as Elisha had said to her. So she dared to get back in touch with a dream she couldn't even verbalize. And it came to pass. Let's keep going. When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, oh my head, my head. And the father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. So he had, something's wrong, something's wrong with his head. Dad, my head's hurting, my head's hurting. He said, carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap until noon and then he died. So some of us might be like the Shunammite woman and we can't afford to touch the promise because it has never borne fruit to start off with. There might be some others who are like the Shunammite woman in the way that they actually have been blessed or God has given or they had a breakthrough and it came or the things that are just on their heart, they've had, they've had the good thing, but it has not been working. And then there has been a death. And I'm meaning figuratively for the most part, there's been a loss. There's been a loss of the financial dream. There's been a loss of the job. There's been a loss of the child who's walked away from the Lord. There's been a loss of connection relationally with a partner. So you still have them, but you're disconnected. There's been a lot of connection with God, loss of connection. There's been a loss of health. There's been a loss of like severe, some severe health issues, loss of memory. So now we have a good thing and there's been a loss. I also do wanna say there is sometimes also an actual death. Um, there'll be people here who've had actual death. So there's them too. I was part of a near-death experience and five died around me, but I didn't. And so I don't know the answers to those things, but I am saying this death, I'm speaking figuratively, but there are just absolutes, absolute deaths. So let's see what happened. The women, and when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon and then he died. So what, how was her response? Her response is the epitome of what it looks like to hope actively in the Lord. I have not had her response most times. Okay, so this is why I'm not sharing my story today. I'm sharing the Shunammite story. But this is an epitome of amazing response. So she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. So when she believed in this man of God, she built a room for him. She built a, a room for him, key one, and he would come and sleep there. So many people in this room have built a room for God. That's our journey with the Lord as we build a room for him. We make room for him in our lives. And as you know, the sanctification journey, the salvation journey is for grown-ups, not literally, but it's, it's not an easy walk, but she built a room for him. She's made room for this belief in the Lord in her life, figuratively. Then the Lord promises her something that she couldn't even say the words. Then she has it, then she loses it. And the first thing she does is she goes to the room she made for the Lord. Now powerful. And we can look at that and we can say, maybe for her it was a room in her actual house because back then there was a man of God, but now we have God in us. The first thing she did is she went to the room that believed. I think some of us have some rooms of disbelief 
They're the ones we go to when we lose everything or life falls apart or we can't see the change and we go to disbelief. She immediately went to the room that she created for God. She went to the part that believes in Him. She went to the faith. She went to the hope and she put the boy on the bed of the man who had promised it. And then she closed the door. And then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon or Sabbath, so it's not even sacrifice time. Why are we doing this? She said, all is well. Whoa. All is well. Not your own son is dead back at our house. She first went to the room she'd built with the Lord, the history in the Lord. And then she said, all is well. That's the only words that came out to describe the situation. Isn't that profound? Then she saddled the donkey. So she's got a rider and a donkey. And she said to her servant, urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And they went to find the man of God. Two of them on a donkey would not have been a comfortable journey. She set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So from where she lived to Mount Carmel would have been maybe about an 18 hour ride on this donkey at fast speed. They get there and when the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, there's the Shunammite. There's the Mandrite. There's the Perthite. There's us. There's the Shunammite. Don't you love how he called her the Shunammite? Do you know what the Shunam means, the town? Double rest, rest upon rest. And he keeps referring to this woman as the double rest. The double rest, which comes, I think, with believing in the promises of God. <laughs> and she, she just astounds me. I just love that he keeps calling her by the name of the town, double rest. So look, there is Miss Double Rest. Run at once to meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? So she answered, all is well, second time. That's all the thing that came out of her mouth, 18 hours on a donkey later at full speed with a dead son back behind, a dead promise. And when she came to the mountain to the man of God, so she said, all is well to Gehazi, passed him, got to the mountain, she caught hold of his feet. And Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. So maybe as a woman, she wouldn't have been allowed to do that. Maybe no one was allowed to touch the prophet's feet. The guy's like, okay, I'm gonna move her away here. I can tell this woman means business. Leave her alone for she is in bitter distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So the prophet, the Lord has not told the prophet that the promise has died, but he can see bitter distress in her. That's different to bitterness. Remember, she's not gone to bitterness. She's gone to the man of God and she's in bitter distress. How do you act when you're in bitter distress? I know how I act. And the Lord has hidden it from me. So she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Do not lie to me. Again, that's all she can verbalise. She can't mention the depth of the pain of what the promise was to be and then what the promise was lost. But she said, did I not say, do not lie to me? Have any of you ever found yourself saying that to the Lord <laughs> in regard to a promise that He gave you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, three years ago, beginning of this year, prophecies going into 2020, 2021. And she's saying, do not lie to me. 
he said to Gehazi, tie up your garment, take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply. So sprint an 18 hours back and lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So she's going, I love your option B. I love that you've got an Aaron to a Moses. I love that you're sending your, your helper. I'm here for the man of God. I'm taking you with me. You prophet, you're the answer. I am not leaving you. Such a key for us when we're in bitter distress, when the promise has died, I am not leaving you. Isn't that powerful? That she would grab his feet and I am not leaving you until I have my breakthrough. What a key to show for some of us when it comes to the Lord, when it comes to the loss, when it comes to the waiting. May He find us grabbing hold of His feet and us telling Him, I will not leave you. It's a temptation to walk away, hey, when the thing burns. When we're burning. It's a temptation to walk away. And here she showed us, not only with a confession of her mouth, all is well, all is well, do not lie to me, I will not leave you. I'm staying with you. So Gehazi did go on ahead and he laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore, he returned to meet him and told him, the child has not awakened. So when Elisha came to the house, great thing she chose, I wanna keep the man of God with me, please. He saw the child lying dead in his own bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. I would be doing the same thing. Oh, sweet Jesus, <laughs> come through in this situation. So he's interceding, what's the key here? How do you want me to um, minister to this, this dead baby? Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. So he got up again, walked back and forward in the house, probably was interceding again, went up and he stretched himself over the child again. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite, this double rest woman. So he called her and when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. And a powerful story, true one. So in, in, I'm very blessed life. I just really am very blessed life. There's been a big personal um, promise that the Lord gave me 18 years ago through a prophet, prophet in South Africa. And there's no breakthrough yet for the 18 years. And it was such a specific one and it actually has really impacted my life and it's really mattered and it's a really important one. And um, I'm gonna come back to what it says in Psalm 105 later about what the purpose often of a prophetic word is for and what it does do. Um, but I'm really grateful for it because it finds the rooms in our hearts that are in the unbelieving rooms. Actually, I'll just jump straight to it. Sorry, people up there doing amazing things following me. In Psalm 105, it's actually referring to Joseph, verse 19. But it's talking about a prophetic word and it says, until what he has said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. So you would have heard sometimes the phrase, you can sometimes get a promise, but then sometimes follows a process 
after that, where it's like, uh, now that I've got a promise, I know that there's going to be some process and I'm going to have to hold on to that promise to get through the process. Great, take your promise back. Did I ask for it? Do not lie to me. But I love it how it says the promise actually tests us and how much we can cling to that, how much we can stay with our fingers wrapped around the ankles of the Lord and go, I will not leave you when our circumstances show something else. But the promise tests us. The, the Lord would love that we would live in a prophetic community, that He would live around those who would prophesy truly over us and accurately, His heart over us. You know, He says He would love us to all speak in tongues, but even more than that, that you would all prophesy. But even if you've never had a particular prophetic word over you, the Bible's full of them. So when we read factually, when we're reading some things, it's called the Logos word, when we're reading through the Bible. When we read something and it's like that sentence jumped out at me, it's like the sentence was, went straight into my heart and gave me courage and I just know this is for me. That's called a rhema word. word. That's when there's like prophetic strength attached to it that we can read it and we know, I know God just spoken to my life today through the word. That's why it's really important that we keep eating the word and we read until we hear because we need to hear the promises of God when it comes to our situations. So just know if you haven't had a promise about a tough situation, the Word is probably where it's housed and read until you hear. And you'll hear and you'll go, I know that just wasn't a general promise. I know He just literally gave me that promise. And it's that promise that we hold on to when the, in the delay and in the waiting times and in the testing times. And that promise will test us and it tests our belief. It tests our belief. A couple of um, weeks ago, I just was, again, do not lie to me, to the Lord, about his areas of promise in my life, which I never asked him for, just like this lady. I wasn't looking for the promise. The Lord just brought this promise, but do not lie to me. And um, I felt in my heart to read Psalm 89, and I didn't remember or know what's in Psalm 89. Okay, every now and again, this doesn't work, so don't... It was, you know, have you ever felt to read a particular scripture and you go and you flip open your Bible and it doesn't even exist? Yep, so just know we all do that as well. But in this instant, I was on the money. So I felt Psalm 89 and I went and I opened the book of the Bible and in Psalm 89, verse 34 to 35, it says, I will not violate my covenant. What a word. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. I'm not even looking at your situation and going, gee whiz, but if I just tweak that word and change that sentence, it kind of still says the same, but I get away with it not working out for them. He's like, I won't even alter the thing that I promised. I'm not even gonna go back on it at all. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. I will not lie to Ali. I will not lie to Kerry. I will not lie to Hannah. I didn't know who was worshipping behind me, but I had a real sense that the Lord really loves your faith. He really loves your faith. You've been building a room in the last couple of years and you'll look back on the season and it would have been when you built your room and you're doing an amazing job, Hannah. Keep going. You're doing, I really felt that from the Lord. He's so pleased. Your faith really ministers to Him. So um, here's the line that she said, the Shunammite person, thanks, his friend is used to me crying. The Shunammite woman is, do not lie to me. And here the Lord saying back, I will not lie to, and you can insert your name. That is who he is. He is not a liar. He is not a man that he should lie, is another scripture in the word. 
So what is it he's been saying about your situation? I'm wondering if we need to go to that is actually the verdict. That is actually the outcome. That is actually the truth. Rather than looking at the stress of the circumstance, the loss of the circumstance, the exhaustion of the circumstance. This year, I've been reading the word in a new way, which kind of feels a bit like, duh, and simple. But I felt the Lord say to me, when you read the scripture, look for every time I say, I will, not I, Amy, I, the Lord, will, I will. And then look sometimes for where it says, you, Amy, will. Look for what the people will do and look for what God will do. And so I've spent the seven months looking at this and I've noticed it's everywhere. If you read through the Psalms, they're full of God saying, I will, and then it goes on to a verb. And it's over and over the last few months, I've just been chewing over him doing action things. I will deliver. I will break through. I will create a pathway. I will. And just reading through over and over that Amy's not the active person who needs to make things happen. Amy's not the strong, capable one. Amy's not the one who has to be processing all the time to figure this out because it's how's this ever going to resolve itself. Amy's not the one who even has to pray extra hours to make sure it does happen because God surely needs a bit more of my help because he's kind of asleep on the job. It's not about what Amy's going to do to ensure this breakthrough happens. It's just over and over God saying, I will do this and you will do that. And the main thing that it comes to in the Word when it says what we would, uh, the humans do is that we will see and that we will know who He is, that I am the Lord. So, or that we will rejoice and that we'll celebrate what He did because the action verbs kept being more what on His end. Isn't that amazing? And then the verbs that came with him going, I will, is all the breakthrough language. And just to rest in that he is onto it. Let me give a bit of an example. So I'm going to just chew through a bit of scripture in Exodus 6. Thanks, Jess. Exodus 6, 2 to 8. Can we do a little activity? I don't want us to zone out and not be tracking with the Word, but while we're reading together, taking this for yourself as if the Lord is speaking to you, can we even count on our fingers, go look for how many times the Lord goes, I will, and He puts it on Himself that He's gonna do the thing. Just be counting and let's see what number we get up to at the end. So God spoke to Moses, so He initiated some covenant, which we saw in the Shunammite story, and said to him, I am the Lord. It's the title of the sermon. I am the Lord, not you are the Lord and you've got to make this happen somehow in your own strength or in your not sleeping at night in stress. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant, so he initiates covenant and promise, with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people. So that's those of us who've been groaning instead of going, all is well, give me the Lord's ankles. So the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians held as slaves. And I have remembered my covenant. So that's what he does. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and 
I will, one, bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. See again, what you will do, what was it? You will know. But where's all of the activity on whose end? I'll do all the work, you're gonna know who I am. Um, I was counting and now I've lost my way. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you will know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the, there's another one, into the land, same with you and your promise that he's given you. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give, I will give it to you for a possession because I am the Lord. And the Psalms are full of it. And the other scriptures are full of it. It started off at the beginning. So I started at the beginning of the whole Bible and I went, I'm looking for all the I wills. Genesis one was the greatest encouragement. There were three little words on repeat the whole way through, not three little words, three little sentences. I just came out of Genesis 1 going, if the whole Bible got lost and we couldn't have a Bible anymore and we just were able to keep Genesis 1, then the principle is still in there because it says, God said, so that's repeatedly through Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. God let said, let there be whales, let there be birds, let there be man. So God said, just like the Shunammite woman, it's the Lord who initiates a covenant and a promise and things to happen. God said, and it was so, and it was good. And then again, the next, next paragraph down in chapter one, God said, and it was so, and it was good. Not even God said, and it was so, and it was mashed up, and I shouldn't have held on to the promise in the first place. God said, and it was so, and he didn't quite bring the breakthrough, he altered his word. God said, and it was so, but it sucked. God said, and it was so, and it was good, is just in the very first chapter of the whole Bible. It's like it's from there in the beginning. Has your child walked away from the Lord? God said, and it was so, and it was good. Has there been a loss of the dream? God said, and it was so, and it was good. Which part did we have to do all of the hard work in those three sentences? None. Our job is to hold on to the ankles and to go, I will not leave you. How's your marriage or lack thereof? Some things come with an actual loss that can't be redeemed, but you know what? God is the redeemer of time. He's a redeemer of time. So maybe that actual thing will never come back. Maybe there isn't an actual um, resurrection of the exact same thing what the loss was, but he redeems time and he still brings back a legacy or something out of it. There's still a legacy that's for you. There's still a redemption and a reward for time lost. There's still more, there's still life. Life is the promise. There's still life ahead. There's still life ahead. And He has promises for your present situation. He has promises for something He knows you're going into in the future. And it comes with Him initiating it and Him doing it and Him accomplishing it. The Scripture says, at the right time, I the Lord will make it happen. At the right time, I the Lord will make it happen. 
Our job is to be the people of double rest. A person of double rest trusts. And I wonder if in that room we're making for the Lord is the place where actually what's being tested is our ability to trust. I am an example of someone who has to go round and round and round the mountain. I haven't learned this one yet. Here I go again. But in that room with the Lord, the trust is being built. And we look back in time and we'll be so grateful that he built us in the dark. Because often that room doesn't have a light on it, does it? There's no windows either. Crikey. But we and the Lord are in that space and we're choosing, I will not leave you. So we stay in the room. And we stay in the room and there's still no windows and there's still no light. But at the right time, I, the Lord, will do it. And our job is to do the trusting so that we'd come to know. And then eventually we're going to see that I am the Lord and we'll get onto the list of what he promised, which is I will do this and I will do this. We can't be people of rest if we are not sure in all of us that he is the God of I will. And when we're not sure that he is the God of I will, we become people of I will. I will stress about it. I will pray extra out of fear and not out of rest. I will try and make it happen. I will try and help God. <laughs> I just know he needs me to get this done because he's lacking. So we don't become people of rest because I will help God enters in. And sometimes you've got to go back to that room and get to know the God of I will, the God of I am and the God of I will. In Isaiah 46, 8 to 11, I'm an ESV girl presently, so these are mostly ESVs. Another thing he says is, I have spoken, there's the initiator of being the promise giver. I will, there it is, bring it to past. I have purposed, I will do it. And he's saying that as a strong father to some of us today in the room. I have purposed, I will do it. Some of us are tired some of us have been in that room that we've built for the Lord a very, very long time. And we're grateful that he's been maturing us and maturing our strength and maturing our faith in that time. But some of us in the room are tired. And there's a scripture, I love actually the message version of it more than any of the other versions. And I'm not usually into the, like reading a lot of the message version, but I wanna read Romans 8, 24 to 28 from the Message Bible. And this is talking about the exhaustion when it comes to believing. That is why waiting does not diminish us. So the word diminish is when we make something really small and falls apart. Um, and this is referring to the waiting for God's promises. That is why waiting does not diminish us. You're like, hey, Amy, don't keep reading. I'm telling you, waiting diminishes me. I feel diminished. I know I'm diminished. The waiting has definitely diminished me. He says, this is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother because we are enlarged in the waiting, as someone with who is pregnant becomes enlarged because they're waiting. So he's saying the same happens in us. We are enlarged in the waiting. We of course don't see what is enlarging us, so we're in a dark room, but the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. 
If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs or aching groans. Have you become like the Shunammite and you can't even verbalise the prayer anymore? That's what this is referring to. You can't even say and ask for it anymore. You just go, I'm gonna just move over here into a little bit of burying that thing so that I'm content again because God doesn't actually bring breakthrough. So I need to get content while staying a Christian and I've got my little buried thing under a garden. And so I'm good, I'm living with my people, says the Shunammite. But this is no, the people that are actually in touch with that thing, that brings pain, that grief, that unresolved grief, um, that even if we don't know how to pray, you know you can even get to the point where you can't even pray anymore, and that's okay. It's okay, it's part of the process when we even run out of words. I've been there where it's like, I've run out of words and I've even run out of the ability to worship. Have you been in those seasons where you can't actually even sing? But I allowed myself to say the worship songs on the inside of me. And I would sing on the inside because I was like, I can't even, I can't even say the words or pray the words or sing the words. I know there's a whole thing on just worship anyway and I've done a lot of that too. But there's been times you, you can't pray and you can't even sing. And this says, if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. What a relief. Religion, poof, goes out the room. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our sighs and our groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and He keeps us present before God. And that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Isn't that encouraging? And if some of you are in a season where the only thing you've got is a groan or a sigh at the moment, it doesn't matter. Of course it does matter, it's a serious thing. But it doesn't matter as far as don't be shame-filled <laughs> about it. In the Lord, He even takes that as an intercession and just hang on in there. Stay in that room. Stay in the God room with the thing that died on the bed before the Lord and I will not leave you. And He brings life and He brings the breakthrough. And the Scripture says, at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. He is the active one. Our job is to believe. His job is to do. And He will, because that's who He is. And He's teaching us more and more about who He is. That's all I wanted to share with us today. Thanks, Kev. And so, can we have a little bit of a something ministering sound. I just wanna pray over us, or give us some time to just sit with that with the Lord while we aren't in active dinner mode. Sorry, I know our main, main sound guys in bed sick, main pastors in bed sick, breakthroughs for them in Jesus' name. Let's just sit with this word and ask the Lord what He has in it for us today. Maybe it doesn't feel like it's for you in the season, but bank it in your pocket for maybe someone in your life hub, someone in your family um, that can just do with this encouragement of who He is. If we dare, and some of us might not be able to do it at this stage, if we dare, I'm wondering, let's just shut our eyes, and if you don't feel this word's for you, maybe you can just join me in interceding for others in the room. Carrie, I felt like you were a Shunammite woman. I saw you in the worship. You've been so faithful. You're a Shunammite woman and you know that room so well. 
we really are blessed to have you in the house and everything that he has promised is going to completely come through. You're an incredible woman of rest. You're an incredible woman of rest and he's got it. He's got it. If we dare, some of us have something buried under the garden in our, I'm good, I've got a great community, that's all I need. And I feel Holy Spirit standing there gently, daring us to the risk of actually being reconnected to things that we used to stand on or used to believe. And even if it's just in a little way, would we be willing to just touch that thing again and bring it before the Lord? For others here, you've had the good thing and there's been a loss. And again, don't bury that thing and bypass the heart to be okay with it with the Lord. It's okay to be in the wrestle with Him. It's horrific, but it's okay to be in the wrestle with Him. Hold that thing out before Him. But more so, hold His feet. Whether the breakthroughs never come or there's been a loss or both, can we hold His feet in this room? And whatever that looks like for you, whether you need literally just do something with your hands as if you're putting them around His ankle or if you're putting that thing in front of Him, can we get our eyes off that thing and put our eyes on the ankles? Just in your mind's eye, can we put our eyes on His ankles, not on the lack of breakthrough, not on what's hard, And Holy Spirit, will you give us the grace to whisper or groan or sigh to you, I will not leave you. I will not leave you, God, because you are the I am. You are the I am. And you will, you will, you will, you will. You will do what you said you would do because you will not violate your covenant to us and you will not alter your word and you will not lie to your beloved. And so we stand on that and we claim our rights like the Shunammite claimed her right. You've said, do not, I, do not, we've said, do not lie to me and we're claiming our right to come right up to you at that mountain Lord, these promises have been testing us. They've been testing everything. But we just give you permission to do what you're doing in the room, the room that we've created for you in our lives. We feel like we've been diminishing. But Lord, I'm hearing that we're being enlarged and if the purpose is being enlarged and being enlarged and being enlarged and being enlarged, then we don't understand. But Lord, would you help us yield to the enlargement? Would you help us yield to the enlargement? We thank you that you would even do that for us. You don't owe it to us. Help us yield to the stretch. But we're gripping your ankles. We will not leave you, God, 
and we remind you of what you've promised us. We say it back to you. And I thank you that you will not alter your word. You will not alter your word one bit. Be the God of I will. Be the God of I will. As we become people of rest, our job is to rest, your job is to act. Help us rest in who you are. Help us rest in your promises. Help us come to an even deeper rest this next week. Deeper rest into your character and into the strength of your mighty right arm. We're so grateful all the activity gets to be on your end. And we just get to believe and rest that you will do what you said you would do. I thank you that the answers are coming. I thank you that the answers are coming. Find us gripping your ankles when the, when, the, when the breakthrough comes, Lord. Find us faithful. Would you find us faithful when the suddenlies come? Would you find us in that room that we've created for you, gripping your ankles? Find us faithful. May we not miss out on that chance. We just thank you for who you are. We celebrate who we are. We thank you that you keep your word. We thank you that you're onto it. We thank you for your mighty right arm. We thank you that you're all powerful, that you're an active God and that you're willing. You're willing and able. You're willing and able. You're willing, you're so willing. You're looking at every one of our stories and you're so willing. You're willing and you're active and you're able and you're doing a good work and you're gonna get it all the way through to the finish line and we will see and know you. We will see and know you as the act of God who is good and does a good work, greater than we could ever ask or think or imagine. We celebrate who you are. You are glorious. Our future is that we get to see and know because you will. In that time, Lord, find us loyal. Thank you that you keep your word, Lord. We just give this week ahead to you. We give the stories to you. We give our needs to you, Lord. Help us to dare to utter them again. Help us to get back connected with our faith, to get out of a bit of a slumbering thing we've got into to survive the lack of breakthrough, Lord. Help us get up. Help us move towards you. Help us expect good things. I thank you, Lord, that expectant hope hurts so much because it's such a risk. It's such a risk to have expectant hope. It's such a risk. But I thank you that you've created such a thing that you give us the grace to have it. And would you help us to put our hand to expectant hope and to get up all the ways that we need to get up and move forward with you. We thank you that you're willing and active, that you're alive and well and you're still on the throne. You're still on the throne. You're still on the throne as you always were and you always will be. And we just celebrate you. We celebrate you. We partner with the truth of who you are. Thank you for what you're writing on our hearts during the, during the time in the room. And we just bless you. We bless you. We bless you tonight. We bless you in Jesus' name.
Amen.